The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative Word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and you're going to see two videos at the top of the screen there. The one on the left side of the page is a Bradley show from uh, Saturday, two hours worth of Bradley Dean. If you didn't get a chance to catch that, you can do that. Uh, up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern, at which time he'll be live in that little area right there. And then on the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you got, and then look for, in the, for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner and join us in the chat on Rumble. We'd love to see you over there. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. 
Also, DLive.tv and at the top of the page, BeforeIt'sNews.com, I'll tell you why we're not doing the others in just a minute. And then right up under where we're, where we're streaming live on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, there's a place where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that. Help us uh, you know, get the word out here. We're um, going to be moving some things this week. And look, I know the ads on any sites, m- m- the ones that I own included, are aggravating. I, I get it. Okay, I get it. And if you don't have people who can help you keep that up, that's kind of what you have to do to at least pay the expenses uh, on some of this website stuff. So we're going to be removing those. Uh, it's going to be ad-free except for like what you see here, this banner or something that sends people to our store. Uh, but as far as the ads that will be on, that are on these that you've um, seen on Sons of Liberty, and some of you I know you probably don't even come back because of that. I get it. We're going to be removing that. Um, so that's going to be a feature that's going to be a part of sonsoflibertymedia.com in the coming days. Also, with that in mind, this is just one of the venues, uh, radio and Internet, uh, which you know we, we utilize. Uh, we also are out among the people as well. But if you would like to support us in all of this and you agree with our message, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. And uh, click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And, uh, you know, we really do appreciate you guys in your support and, uh, and appreciate you guys who love us enough. And let me, let me just say this. Some of you are men and women enough that you will call. Uh, you will write and, uh, and things, but, but mainly call where we can have a conversation um, to where either we're edifying and building one another up or we're correcting one another. And I, I praise God for those people who, you know, love you enough that they'll come up, right or wrong, they'll love you enough because they at least they think this is the right thing. I, I appreciate those people. I really do. I really do. And I just want to say thank you for that. Now, let me just hit this real quick. Uh, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because I'm just not going to make a big deal out of it. Uh, we're, not, we're not doing it on, on Facebook anymore, on uh, my pages, because we're finding the technology isn't stopping certain people who seem to want to just come in just for the sake of arguing that there's, I, I, I don't know why you'd want to come in and listen to a show that you don't agree with the host on virtually anything. Um, and, and that, I guess that's happening on both shows. I don't know. And I know there's a division that's coming. And let me tell you something. Um, the Bible's very clear about that. The Paul, the Apostle Paul, he dealt with it in Corinth, and he said, some of you say, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Paul. Well, and, and some of you out there are saying, well, I like Tim better than Brad. Well, I like Brad better than that. I don't care. Neither does Bradley. The body has many gifts. It has many parts. And all those parts are important. All of them. Yours, mine, Bradley's, all those parts are important. And for us to get caught up into how somebody presents something or whether we disagree with them on a particular subject is not the the grounds for coming in and just dividing up the people and pulling them off into a, how shall I say this, a two-party system. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. We're already seeing what that does in the political sphere. We don't need it going on here. All right? We don't need it going on here. So that's why it's that's why it's taken off. And um, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, what am I what am I going to do? What what am I going to do? 
we've taken every option we can and there's still this thing coming on. And look, we'll probably deal with it with this, but this is a little bit easier to handle with two, basically two channels that we're going to be working off of. And um, so we want to, we want to do that so that we can keep um, the unity of the faith and the bond of peace as Ephesians teaches us to do that. So we want to do those things. If there's correction that needs to be done, we're open for that. We really are. There are people who will tell you that. Okay. But Let's do it one-on-one. -on -one. Let's not do it with text. Let's not do it in the chat. There's a phone number. Contact us on sonsoflibertymedia.com. Love to talk with you guys. And, um, yeah, so that's where we're at, okay? That's where we're at. I want to play one little video, and then I kind of want to branch off of this. Uh, you know, I, I get up many times to do the show, and if I don't have a guest or whatever, you know, it's not like I, I don't ponder other things, but in all honesty, I just go, Lord... Give me some. Give me a word for your people. Um, what did they need to hear? What did they need? I mean, I literally, because guys, I'm incapable of giving you something that uh, is is helpful uh, in and of myself. And I got this video the other day, and I'm gonna play it, and then we're gonna go through some scriptures. We're gonna go through some scriptures. Um. This is at the Minnesota State House. This is a man um, done up like a woman and has a partner. I'm going to try to get away from this trans stuff, okay? I, it's difficult because it's inundated in the culture, and that's what we're accustomed to saying. I'm, I'm trying to find ways to say certain things when... Other things are going on. There's a man dressed as a woman, and he's got a partner. I don't know if it's a man or a woman, because it I, it didn't say in the video here, but I just called him a queer partner. That's what they are. Queer just means un, it's it's not normal, okay? It's weird. It's strange. Um... You lost us here on Rumble. I'm sorry, guys. I don't I don't know why. Uh, we're still going, but, uh, yeah, we're still going. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um... Try a refresh, you guys in the chat over at DLive. I, I, maybe we overloaded the channel on DLive. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing either. Um, this man here is um, he's speaking on what it is. House File 146, out-of-state laws interfering in use of gender-affirming health care, subpoenas, child custody, and child welfare, wa uh, warrants, arrests, and extraditions provisions. This guy and his queer partner have two children. And they, they claim these children are, quote-unquote, transgender. There's no such thing. You're not transitioning from one gender to the other. You're just mutilating your body to deceive yourself and deceive other people into thinking you're the other gender, but you're really not. He wants to mutilate them. He wants to give them, quote-unquote, gender reassignment surgery. There's no reassignment to it. You still remain a man after you cut your stuff off. You still remain a woman after you cut your breast off. You still remain that. You can cut your hair short. You can make it look like a guy's. You can try to be buff, and, and the guys can try to dress up like the women, which is an abomination, the Bible says. And you can do all of that stuff, and you will still be a man or woman. You don't change that. You just deceive yourself, and you try to deceive others with it. That's that's all that's going on. I want you to listen to what this this guy says 
um, here at the Minnesota House. My name is Amber Mum. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I'm a member of the St. Cloud Hive of the Parents and Allies of Trans Youth, the Transgender Movement for Liberation, and a member of the Tea Time Support Group run by the Aliveness Project. I am also a proud gender, transgender woman, but more importantly, I am the mother of two wonderful transgender and gender expansive children. I drove down from St. Cloud to show my support for House File 146 and thank Representative Finke for introducing such an important and life-saving bill to protect trans children and their families at such a critical time for us. As you may be aware, there's a torrent of damaging, ill-informed, and outright malicious legislation being introduced across the country targeting transgender and gender expansive people broadly, but trans children in particular. It is our daily experience to be forced to keep track of which state is safe for us to visit. Minnesota has been overall very accepting and supportive of our family, but even then we don't feel 100% safe and assured that we will be able to get the gender affirming care that both of my kids need and deserve. Very recently, an amendment was proposed to House File 16 in Minnesota, which bans children's conversion therapy in an attempt to ban essential health care for transgender children. This happened in our state. Because of this, my trans partner and I frequently discuss plans to flee the country if these targeted, hateful bills keep being introduced or passed. So flee! I never thought that it would come to this, but here we are. Even in a state that is considered safer for trans children and their families, being forced from our homes and having to seek asylum elsewhere is an almost daily conversation in my community. As someone who started transitioning uh, well into her adulthood, I know better than most how essential and life-saving gender-affirming medical care is. Going through naval puberty was a traumatizing experience for me. I am so grateful that trans and gender-expansive kids have access to the knowledge and medical care to be their full selves and thrive. To not only deny them life-saving medical care, but to charge and prosecute supportive parents and healthcare professionals is barbaric and morally repugnant. No, that's what gender assigned give parents of reassignment surgery children is. like myself, and more importantly, transgender and gender expansive children themselves across the nation, a safe haven and over in an overwhelmingly supportive community. I urge the committee to move House File 146 forward and ultimately pass it to protect the rights and futures of our beloved and precious transgender children and their families. Thank you. Yeah, this guy right here, this guy right here is a predator. He is not to be pitied. He is not to be taken lightly. He should be dealt with. He talks about bar barbarism. It's barbaric to hold these things off. And let me let me just say this. Um, gosh, the only, I guess the only people we have here is DLive and our radio audience, which we're glad to have. Uh, I don't know what happened with Rumble. Set it up as live, and Rumble has this thing occasionally where the video gets changed to a video that's uploaded instead of live. And it had... I had all the stuff in here, so I don't know what went on, guys. Sorry about that. I mean, I really am. I just, I just don't know what's going on with it. I really don't. This guy is a predator. And I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, if you were to investigate him and his queer partner, you're probably going to find a lot more is going on. You don't want to mutilate children. 
unless there's something else going on with you. This is a man who Romans 1 says has been turned over to a reprobate mind. No, God is not loving him. (laughs) He's not. The fact that he is dressed the way he is, the way he's saying the things he's saying, and probably doing the things he's doing, is evidence that God is, does not, has not shown him love, has not shown him grace, has not shown him mercy, but has turned him over to his sin and his reprobate mind. That's what this is. Now, with that said, I could play a number of these things. You guys have seen them. I, I, get, I don't even like you know, having to do these stories where you got these, these drag queens, men dressed up as women. Again, the Bible says it's an abomination. They do it in front of little kids, and adults sit back and clap and have a great time doing it. You saw the thing the other day, just the sick thing that came out of the bearded drag queen. Where they want the kids, they want they brought it out, and I forget what the little rhyme ditty he had, but it was basically they want them to lick them where they go to, where they urinate. Just set it out there in front of everybody. Adults sitting in the room. And I'm going to tell you what. We're the men who will stand up and go deal with these people who are doing this to our kids. It is not unlawful for you to go deal with them. In fact, it is lawful. The fact that we're not dealing with them shows just how lawless we are and how much of a coward we are. Men... Because men of my, when I was growing up, you would have done something like this. You would have got a beatdown, like a physical beatdown. They wouldn't have killed you. They would have beat you down and they would have said, you don't do this anymore. You're not going to be doing it, especially if you did it with kids. Okay, especially if you did it with kids. So I want to take us through scripture. And you know how to do this for the most part. I just, I go back through and we read the passage. We just let God say what he says. In the context. And then we'll draw our conclusions from that. Now, the Bible tells us in Leviticus that if a man lies with a man, as with a woman, both of them are to go to jail. Is that what's supposed to happen? They get a fine. They get house arrest. They have to sign up on the sex offender registry. Is that what is that what it says to do? They are to be stoned with stones until they're dead. That's what, that's what they're supposed to do. Tim, you're advocating... Just hang on. Hang on. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't assume anything about me. I want you to see what the Bible says about this kind of behavior. Because this kind of behavior that you just heard from this guy right here... I don't care if he uses she or he and demands it. I'm never going to call that guy a guy. I'm never going to call him a she. I'm never going to call him a her. Ain't gonna, ain't gonna happen. Okay? This guy has engaged in the very things we're fixing to read about. First place we're gonna stop off at is Genesis chapter 19. So if you've got your Bible and you want to go along, that's fine. If not, I'm gonna have it up on the screen for those who are on the video platform. But if you're on the radio, Genesis 19 is where we're going. And if you want to you know, finger mark that and go to Judges 19. We'll go over there in just a minute, okay? So this is going to be a lot of, re- it's going to be some reading. You're going to say, this is boring. Tim. Listen, remember something. The Word of God is powerful. 
And simply reading it is powerful. Why? It is the Word of God. It's not the Word of Tim, because the Word of Tim doesn't change your heart. It doesn't renew your mind. It doesn't correct your thinking or any of that other. It's the Word of God. So, let's go to the Word of God, Genesis chapter 19. Now, you'll remember Abraham, uh, for those of you um, who are wanting a little background here, you remember Abraham and Lot, his nephew, were together, and so they were going to kind of split up and divide up. They were going to go in certain directions of land. And um, Abraham gave Lot the choice. And Lot saw the area of Sodom, that it was lush and it was green and all everything that, he, that they had. And he says, I'm going to go here. So Abraham said, well, I'll go over here then. So Lot goes down into the city. He apparently becomes an elder in the city. Okay? The elders were making judgments. That's where you went to if you had a problem, this, that, and the other. So that was his position in there. Sodom was known for its sodomy, a word we don't like to use. Conservatives don't like me using the term sodomite. It is a biblical term. They don't like me using Sodom. They would rather follow the narrative of the marketing scheme that was put out and call them gay. They're not gay. There's nothing gay about them. By the way, look up what gay actually means. They Socialists, let me tell you something. Socialists, Marxists, communists, all those guys, they change the meaning of words. You're seeing a lot of that stuff. Many of you are coming awake to how words are being used against us. They're... It's like they're using spells against us. You know, that's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? When we go through school, what do we call it when we when we put together a word with letters? We call it spelling. And the Bible tells us that our words either bring life or they bring death, right? The power of life and death is in the tongue, the Scripture says. So with that, Genesis chapter 19. And let's just read what happens. We're going to make a parallel here. We're going to see one where God directly intervenes in judgment. And we're going to see in another passage where men uphold God's law in judgment. Okay? So here's Genesis 19, and let's walk through this. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat, and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. That's because he was, he was one of the guys there who, who would judge. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now Lot knew this was a bad deal because he knew the men of Sodom were Sodomites. I mean, this just goes to show, right? And yeah, I know there are other sins. Ezekiel mentions other sins that they were guilty of. Uh, because of their ease that they had. They, they bored themselves, so they were looking for other ways to, uh, how shall we say, entertain themselves. Instead of making a natural use of the woman, they started burning for one another as men. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called out Lot and said unto him, 
Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now that's that's an interesting term because it's used, okay, all in the Old Testament to speak of a intimate knowledge with a man with his wife. In other words, it's sexual intercourse. Now you will find uh, people like Barry Lynn who doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground uh, with the Freedom from Religion Foundation. And if you don't believe me, look up Barry Lynn and James White debate on homosexuality, and you'll see just how much this little whiny, penny-waisted man tries to uphold what is clearly condemned in the Scriptures and condemns anybody who would say it's an abomination, it's a sin that needs, it's something that needs to be repented of, any of this kind of stuff. And so, it says, He pressed on them greatly, and they turned into him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake and leavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out so that we may know them. Sorry, I, for, I lost off where I left, where I stopped reading. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Now he's living among wicked men. And, and just so people get an idea, you may say, well, Lot was this ungodly guy. He's got his daughters out there. And we know the story after the city is destroyed, how his, he, his daughters got him drunk he, he impregnated both of his daughters, and you'd think, what an awful dad. Yeah, what an awful dad. And yet, the Bible says that he was a righteous man, and his righteous soul was vexed day in and day out. Now, if, if the Spirit of God, through men, wrote and said Lot was righteous, let me tell you something. He was righteous. He did, he sinned, no question about it. But the Bible says he was a righteous man. That is not an advocation of sin, by the way. It's not an advocation of sin. But the Bible does say he was a righteous man. So, back to the passage. Lot went out the door, excuse me. I pray that you do, do not so wickedly. Now he's talking to the men of Sodom who come out to him. And he says, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came, therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now let me explain something right here. For the people who want to revise what the Scripture actually says real clearly, why would, why would Lot, when they say, Bring them out that we may know them, why would Lot then assume, not say, hey, wait a minute, these guys are clear, they're not spies, because that's what we're told that, that the revisionists want to uh, interpret this passage as. Why would you take at an accusation, we need, we need to know what they're doing here, we need to know if they're spies and stuff, why would you then take and resort to giving them your daughters to use sexually, if that was the case? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Nope, that doesn't make any sense at all. Instead, Lot foolishly, 
offers his daughters to the sodomites. And the sodomites have seared their conscience and their natural desires for a woman, and all they want is men. And they perceive the angels as men. The angels are not men, but they appear as men. And this goes back again to what we were talking about in Noah's day, when you know there are these people who say, Angels had sex with humans. Genesis 6-4 is very clear. No, it's not very clear. It's one verse in the midst of an entire context, in the midst of an entire book about genealogies. And you've got one verse of which part of it, half of it, speaks of sons of God and daughters of men. But the entire context is about men. Angels are never mentioned, ever. In Genesis 1-6, to except for where God placed an angel with a fiery sword right there at the entrance to the Garden of Eden. That's the only place they're mentioned. You have to go outside of the context to bring that in, which is eisegesis, by the way. We, there's two things. There's, these are two words. If you're not familiar with them, I'm going to help you understand. It's, it's, just, it's a simple thing. Exegesis, exa, you pull it out of, all right? Exegesis means you read the text and you draw out of the text what the text is saying. You interpret it properly in its context. Because if you don't, here's what you do. You pull a verse out, and you make it a pretext for whatever the theology, thinking, or whatever the ideology that you have. That's called eisegesis when you do that. You're reading into the text something that's not there. Does that make sense? So exa, out of, isa, read into. Okay? So hopefully that's helpful for people of seeing what the difference is. i got to tell you, you may, be Im- you may be immature in the faith. You may be young in the faith. One of the biggest things that I can stress to you, and you do this with me too, okay? Whoever you're listening to, and even if you're in your own time reading the Scriptures, make sure you're staying in the context to interpret the context properly. If you don't do that, you will go astray. You will. I know. Been there, done it. Context is the king. It really is the king of what's going on, okay? So, he has two daughters. I'm going to give these daughters to you. Go out, do whatever as unto them is good in your eyes. Now, i got to tell you, I, <laughs> no, it's a wonder, instead of Lot's daughters getting him drunk and getting impregnated uh, later on, I think it's in chapter 20, it's a wonder they didn't kill him for wanting to throw them to the Sodomites. Nevertheless, he goes on, verse 9, And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn. He came, you know, he left Abraham and he came down there. And he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. Listen to that. Listen to the impassioned lust that's in here. They have every intention of raping Angels that look like men, they didn't. So that's not an example that they could actually. Angels could actually engage in sexual intercourse. But they said, "We're going to do it to you too, uh, Lot. We're going to do what we're going to do to these men to you." And then it goes on and it says, "And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door down." 
I put down in there. Sorry, I read that in it. Break the door. And the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house. The, the men that's spoken of here is the angels. Pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. And what did that do? Well, that just wearied the guys. It made it more difficult for them to find the door. It didn't stop their passion. It didn't start their sinful heart. It didn't stop it at all. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? And this is the angels speaking. Son-in-law and thy sons, thy, thy, thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place. Why? Because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters and said, and obviously they're not among this crowd, but they're still in there too. Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Now, why do you think that is? It's probably because Lot, even though the Bible says he was righteous, he wasn't demonstrating that in how he lived his life. And so he gave them opportunity to mock him about what the Lord was going to do, his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Get out of here, dude. We got work to do. Get out of here. And while he lingered, Lot was going, Oh, what am I going to do? You know, I got to take this stuff. I got to load up the stuff. Got to get the son-in-laws. Got to, you know, he's... He's doing all this stuff. The men laid hold on his upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters and the Lord being merciful unto him. Listen, friends. I got people that want to tout their free will. And your will is in bondage if you're outside the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in bondage to sin. You're a slave to your sin, your own lustful desires. That's what the Bible teaches. And you need to be set free from sin. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But you're a slave. I don't care if you got all the money in the world. I don't care if you're a Jeff Bezos and you got all the money in the world that you need and fame and fortune and you know a pretty girl on your arm and boats and, and cars and all this stuff. I don't care what you've got. You're a slave to your own sinful desires apart from Christ. That's what you are. You're a slave. You're not free. Somebody had often said there was a Roman general, and he could conquer hundreds or thousands in an army. And he comes in through the parade, and one harlot is on the side of the street, and she catches his eye, and he is subdued by her. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And the Bible teaches us in Proverbs 6, that is exactly the kind of case. Where the king is speaking to his son, and he says, be careful of that harlot. She leads you down here where you're going to go. I'm just giving you that as an example of where sin takes us and how it binds us and how Jesus said, to whom you submit yourselves, you are the slave of. If you submit yourself to sin, you're the slave of sin. But if unto righteousness, then you're a slave of righteousness. Okay. All right, so we're going back to the text, and he says, And it came to pass, verse 17, 
when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape in the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. He's trying to make an excuse for staying in a sinful area that he knows. They just told him they're going to destroy. And he just told his sons-in-law. Do you see why now the sons-in-law probably mocked Lot? Oh, he was righteous, but he was fickled. He was vacillating back and forth between, well, the Lord's going to destroy it. Well, no, I can't leave now because if I go to the mountain, then this is going to happen. And then he says this, Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, he points to another city, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is, this, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. The angel is telling him, I can't destroy the city until you're out. And why is that? I think it's exactly what Peter says. He has a righteous soul. Though he's doing some bad things, the Bible says he has a righteous soul. Okay? And again, that's not to justify his sin. It's just saying the Bible says both of these things are going on simultaneously. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar, and the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. And the Bible says this, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt, And then here's what we read. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham. Remember, Abraham had pled with God. You know, if there's 50, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, if there's 10 righteous guys, are you going to destroy the city? And this city was so wicked wasn't just the sodomy. It was the tolerance of it and other things that were there. And God couldn't find ten righteous people in the midst of Sodom. And God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And then we read about him and his daughters, which I'm not going to get into uh, but again, it just shows you, here's, here's what the Bible calls a righteous man, and yet you can see he's very immature in how he deals with the sodomites, and if you read on how he, how he succumbs to the seductive ways of his daughters, that he was ready to throw out to the sodomites. Ridiculous. So you see how God intervenes, and at times God will judge directly. Okay? And you say, well, 
well, what about these people? And what about that people? We'll go back over to what Jesus says in the New Testament. He says, okay, fine. If you don't repent, you're going to perish just like they did. He warns the same thing. You're going to perish just like they did. So don't point the finger at anybody else. You have to examine yourself. Okay? Judges chapter 19 is where we're going next. Now, i got to tell you, it's interesting. This is Judges 19. We just read Genesis 19. And um, there's some of the same stuff going on. Same stuff. Listen to what happens here. Now, this is an issue in which men bring judgment upon other men according to the law of God. Not according to their own whims, but according to the law of God. Judges chapter 19. And this is a story about a Levite. He's a, he's a priest. He's got a concubine. The concubine uh, you know, leaves and goes out on her own. He goes searching for her, finds her. And this is, this is where he's at. And it came to pass in those days, when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite sojourning on the side of the mount, Ephraim, who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. And his concubine played the whore against him. And went away from him unto her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four whole months. And her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her. Isn't that something? Hmm. She's played the whore. She's left him. And he went after her to speak friendly to her and to bring her again. Isn't this a picture of exactly what God does to his people? Yep, all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, the whole story of Hosea, when you read that, is about how God loves his people. He set his love upon them, even though they were rebellious to him, even though they didn't love him, even though they didn't give two wits what God said. God still continued to demonstrate his love toward them. They were unworthy. He had already said, you remember we read in the book of Deuteronomy, the blessings and the cursings. The people immediately broke the law. They immediately deserved the cursings, and yet God was patient with them. All along, he was patient with them. Continue to provide for them. Bless them when they didn't deserve it. See, that's what grace is. You have no demand upon God's grace. None. That's why it's called grace. It's on the the behalf of the benefactor. The one who is dispensing it. And God did it for Israel. And this is a perfect picture of what he was doing with them at the time. So he went up, he wanted to speak friendly to her, to bring her again, having a servant with him and a couple of asses, and she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. And his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him, as if we need to repeat that, but the Scriptures does that for a reason. Retain him, and he abode with him three days. So they did eat and drink and lodge there. So they're having a good time meeting together. This father, his daughter who played the whore, and this Levite. And it came to pass on the fourth day, when they arose early in the morning, that he rose up to depart, and the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law, Comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. And they sat down and did eat and drink and both of them together, for the damsel's father had said unto the man, Be content, I pray thee, and tarry all night, and let thy heart be merry. You know, get some good rest, enjoy yourself before you take this long journey. 
When the man rose up to depart, his father-in-law urged him. Therefore, he lodged there again. They, they were apparently having some good fellowship, or the father knew something that, the, that this guy didn't. We, we, it's not really stated. He's just saying he wants him to stay again. So he, he stayed, and he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, Comfort thy heart, I pray thee. And they tarried until afternoon, and they did eat both of them. So they're having a good time of fellowship. So he gets up again. When the man rose up to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father said to them, Behold, now the day draweth toward evening. I pray you, tarry all night. Behold, the day groweth to an end. Lodge here that thine heart may be merry, and tomorrow get you early on your way that you may go us home. But the man would not tarry that night. But he rose up and departed and came over unto Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two asses saddled. His concubine also was with him. And when they were by Jebus, the day was far spent. And the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, and let us turn into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. And his master said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of a stranger. That is not the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. And he said unto his servant, Come and let us draw near to one of these places to lodge all night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down unto them when they were by Gibeah, which belongeth to Benjamin. And they turneth aside thither to go in and to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat down in a street of the city, for there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. And behold, there came an old man from his work out of the field at even, which was also of Mount Ephraim. And he sojourned in Gibeah, but the men of the place were Benjamites. Keep that in mind. They knew the law. They knew what was restricted, what was punishable by death. They knew it. And when he lifted his eyes, he saw a wayfaring man in the street of the city. And the old man said, Whither thou goest, or whither goest thou, and whence comest thou? And he said unto him, We're passing from Bethlehem, Judah, toward this side of Mount Ephraim. From thence am I. And I went to Bethlehem, Judah, but I am now going to the house of the Lord, and there is no man that receiveth me to house. Yet there is both straw and uh, provender for our asses, and there is bread and wine also for me, and for thy handmaid, and for the young man which is with thy servants. There is no want of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever let all thy wants lie upon me, only lodge not in the street. Do you see a parallel going on here? Remember, Lot didn't want the angels lodging in the street. He didn't want them staying the night in the street, and so he brought them in his house. Same thing's going on here. Same thing. Because you get the same um, reprobate minds of the men in the area. So he brought him into his house and gave a provender unto the asses, and they washed their feet and did eat and drink. Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold the men of the city, just like Sodom, certain sons of Belial, beset the house round about, and beat at the door, and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into thine house, that we may, what? That we may know him. Same language that's used in Genesis 19. These men are sodomites. 
They are not looking to see if the guy's a spy or no. They want to engage him in sodomy. It's not even sexual intercourse. It's sodomy. It's not love, by the way, either. If you're two men together, it's not that men shouldn't love one another. They should. Women should love other women. But not in a sexual way, not in a romantic way. Nope. Nope, that's forbidden. It's unnatural. And I understand that even in some of these relationships, there are these feelings of love. There's these attachments that grow out of our desires. Okay? That does not make it genuine love. Actually, it is a picture of hate when you engage that person in that. And so, bring them out so that we can know them. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not so wickedly. Is this guy not echoing the words of Lot in Genesis 19? Yes, he is. Seeing that this man is come into mine house, do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter. I mean, he's doing the same thing that Lot was doing. He just doesn't have two daughters off of He's got one. She's played the whore. She's a concubine to this priest. Here's my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine, the man that they really want. Them I will bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man do not so vile a thing. Now we're not told whether this guy's righteous or not. We are told that later on in the New Testament about Lot, but we're not told about this guy, but he does the same thing that Lot does. What kind of father wouldn't fight tooth and nail if they killed him or whatever to get to his daughter or his wife or whatever? What father would just say, yeah, go take my daughter and do whatever you want to him, knowing they're going to be so vile with his daughter and violate her in the most disgusting ways? And we're going to see that in just a second of how disgusting it was. But the men would not hearken to him, so the man took his concubine, this is the priest, brought her forth unto them, and they knew her. See? They're not out there trying to find out their spies. They're not out there finding out. They knew her and abused her all the night until the morning. This poor woman. These sodomites abused her. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where her Lord was till it was light. And her Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house. How these men sat in there while this was going on is beyond me. I just, they must have heard her screams. How they slept that night is just... I. Well, we're not told that they slept, but I, I just I don't get it. The Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house, and her hands were upon the threshold. And he said unto her, Up, and let us be going. But none answered. And the man took her up upon his ass, and the man rose up and gat unto his place, 
And when he was coming to his house, he took a knife, because she's dead, and laid hold on his concubine and divided her. He mutilated her body. She was already dead. Together with her bones, into 12 pieces, and sent her into all the coasts of Israel. Now, no doubt, he also sent a message with it. There's no doubt in my mind he sent a message to, to let know what had happened to this woman. And it was so that all that saw it said, there was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider of it, take advice, and speak your mind. We move over into chapter 20 because here's where the judgment comes up. And we may have to go over just a little bit, so if you want to join us on uh, dlive.tv these, uh, forward slash the sons of liberty you're listening by way of radio that's where you need to go I don't know what happened with rumble rumble just changed from a live feed over into a video and it's really starting to tick me off because that happens a lot sometimes when I set up things as well but here's Genesis chapter 20 this continues on the story listen to what happens and all the children of Israel went out everywhere where this woman's body was sent out And the story told as to what happened to her. The story went out to all the children of Israel, and the congregation was gathered together as one man. They were of one mind. All these different tribes were of one mind, from Dan even to Beersheba, with the land of Gilead unto the Lord in Mizpah. And the chief of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew sword... Keep that in mind, too, because we're going to make practical application for us today, okay? Now, the children of Benjamin heard the children of Israel were gone to Mizpah, then said the children of Israel, tell us, how was this wickedness? In other words, who did this? How, how did it happen? When did it go on? We want, we want some people. We want some people who did this. And the Levite, the husband of the woman that was slain, answered and said, I came into Gibeah that belongeth to Benjamin, I and my concubine to lodge. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and beset the house round about me by night and thought to have slain me. And my concubine have they forced that she is dead. And I took my concubine and I cut her in pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel. For they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. That's what he said. Behold, ye are all children of Israel. Give here your advice and counsel. Now we're going to pick up with that verse 8 when on the other side of this. So if you want to catch us, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. I'm sorry I can't change the Rumble thing out just the way it is. We'll have that uploaded a little bit later, and the archive will be there. Catch Bradley at 3. We'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, at 6. Adios. Having to put out, there's a lot to read here, but I hope you're seeing the parallels of what's going on because I'm going to draw a something that we've been talking about doing for a long time. I'm going to draw a parallel here, okay? Verse 8, And all the people arose as one man, saying, we will, not te- we will not any of us go to his tent, neither will we any, we any of us turn into his house, but now this thing, but now this shall be the thing which we will do in, to Gibeah. We will go up by lot against it. Excuse me. The mouth's getting dry. And we will take ten men of an hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and an hundred of a thousand, and a thousand out of ten thousand, to fetch, excuse me, to fetch victual for the people, 
that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin. So so they're armed. They've got swords. They already know what's been done is wrong. It's lawless. It's a violation of the law. And they're ready to carry out some justice. According to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. And the tribes of Israel, listen to what they did. They offer terms of peace for the city. And here they are. The tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now therefore, deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death. Not that we can reform them. Not that we can put them up for three hots and a cot at the expense of the, the family who's been violated. Nope. That we may put them to death. Why? Because that's what the law demanded. And put, they add this too, because this is what the scripture says too. When you carry out the death penalty, what's going on? You're putting the evil away from you. You don't allow it to fester and grow. The little leaven leavens the whole lump kind of deal. You don't allow it to continue on, because it will. And if you guys don't believe it, you just go back to the mid-80s where they remarketed the sodomites as gay. They made them the victim with the AIDS, which we know now was a farce so they could give them all these other uh, drugs, Fauci and company, to kill them. And look, I'm going to tell you, even though Fauci and them are wrong in that, it's part of God's judgment. If you're going to go down that road, God's going to judge you, and he may use wicked men to do it. He did it to to discipline his own people and to judge them in the Old Testament. That doesn't make it right on behalf of men, but it is good in the sight of God. And so here's here's what they do. Give us the guys who did it. We're going to put them to death. We're going to put the evil away from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. See, they wouldn't take the reproof, and they wouldn't stand on the side of God, and they wouldn't repent of their own sin. They were sitting here justifying it. Doesn't this remind you of a lot of conservatives today, Christians, and I'm using the term lightly on all of this, by the way, it's tongue-in-cheek, constitutionalists who want to say it is okay for men to be with men and women to be with women like this. Doesn't this remind you of them? Who are you to judge? God judges. Yep, and he said, don't do this. So don't point the finger at God and say, he, he can, only he can judge us. No, 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 friends. Men brought justice. We saw this in Genesis 9. If man sheds man's blood, by whose hand does the guy's blood get shed? By man. If a beast sheds man's blood, who takes out the beast? Man. Man. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't want to be engaged in the death penalty. I just assume people repent. I'm, I don't have a bloodlust. I don't. But I don't discount what God has said in his word either. God's not wrong in what he says. We need to be wise. We need to bring it down to the most local level that it can be if we're going to carry that out. Why? Because the people are going to try to find every way they can to prove the guy innocent, not try to prove him guilty. In fact, the 
the old thing used to be in this country that you were innocent until proven guilty. The burden of proof is on the prosecutor. Otherwise, you're to be considered innocent. And that's hard to do today in today's media and everything. I get it. But that's what it's supposed to be. So we're back to the passage here. They wouldn't hearken to the voice of the brethren, their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities of Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. I, they're in a battle. Listen to this. They are in a battle because they have Sodomites, son of Belial, in, inside them, and they don't want to give them up. They'd rather risk every man, woman, and child among the Benjamites. They'd rather risk all of them for the sake of these Sodomites. Well, Tim, they were with a woman. Yeah, you know what I mean. They wanted the man. They just took out their lust on the woman. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword, beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all these people, there were 700 chosen men, left-handed, Everyone could sling stones at an hairbreadth and not miss. They were good marksmen. That's what it says. They were good swordsmen, too. And the men of Israel, beside Benjamin, were numbered 400,000 men that drew sword. All these were men of war. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, Which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Why is that? Anybody get the picture of Revelation chapter 19? Who's leading the armies of heaven? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And where does he come from? Yep, that's right, Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah shall go at first. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day twenty and two thousand men. And the people of the men of Israel encouraged themselves and set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves in their array the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? So they had gotten beaten down. The righteous guys did at first. And the Lord said, Go up against him. And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down the ground of the children of Israel. Again, 18,000 men. All these drew sword. Over one concubine who was raped by a bunch of sodomites. And the children of Israel and all... Now look, this is the second time. You would think they would be sitting here going, Well, Lord, you're telling us to go up. Why aren't you giving us the victory? But no... The children of Israel and all the people went up and came into the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. They're, they're being repentant. They're wanting to cleanse themselves of anything that might hamper a victory. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. 
And Israel set leers in wait round about Gibeah, and the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day. Hmm, isn't that interesting? And put themselves in array against Gibeah as at other times. And the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And they began to smite of the people and kill as at other times in the highways of which one goeth up to the house of God and the other to Gibeah in the field about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, they are smitten down before us as at the first. They think they have the victory. But the children of Israel said, let us flee. And draw them from the city into the highways. Let's take them out of their fortress. That's where we'll have the advantage. And all the men of Israel rose up. And you can tell there's a lot of people because there's thousands of people being killed here. And all the men of Israel rose up out of their place and put themselves in array at Beltamar. And the leers and weight of Israel came forth out of their places, even, of, even out of the meadows of Gibeah. There came against Gibeah ten thousand chosen men out of all Israel, and the battle was sore, but they knew not that evil was near them. And the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed of the Benjamites that day twenty and five thousand and a hundred men. All these drew the sword. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were smitten, for the men of Israel gave place to the Benjamites, because they trusted unto the leers and wait which they had set before or beside Gibeah. And the leers in wait hasted and rushed upon Gibeah, and the leers in wait drew themselves along and smote all the city with the edge of the sword. And there was a pointed sign between the men of Israel and the leers in wait that they should make a great flame with smoke rise up out of the city. When the men of Israel retired in the battle, Benjamin began to smite and kill the men of Israel, about thirty persons. For they said, Surely they are smitten down before us, as in the first battle. But when the flame began to arise out of the city with a pillar of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and behold, the flame of the city ascended up to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned again, the men of Benjamin were amazed, and they saw that evil was come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel unto the way of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them. Why? They turned their back against the battle. Isn't this what a lot of conservatives, Christians, and constitutionalists do? Don't they turn their back on the battle? Oh, they've got big words to say. But when the heat comes down, they turn their back in the face of the battle. The battle overtook them. And them which came out of the cities, they destroyed in the midst of them. Thus they enclosed the Benjamites, Benjamites round about and chased them and trode them down with ease over against Gibeah toward the sun rising. And there fell of Benjamin 18,000 men. All these were men of valor. And they turned and fled toward the wilderness under the rock of Remen. And they gleaned of them in the highways 5,000 men and pursued hard after them unto Gidim and slew 2,000 men of them so that all that which fell that day of Benjamin Benjamin were twenty and five thousand men, so there's another twenty five thousand men that drew the sword, and these were men of valor. But six hundred men turned and fled to the wilderness unto the rock, Rimmon, and abode on the rock of Rimmon four months, and the men of Israel turned again upon the children of Benjamin, and smote them with the edge of the sword, as well as the men of every city, as the beast and all that came to hand. Also they set on fire all the cities that they came to. 
So it wasn't without a cause to the people of Israel to take this stand to maintain law and to put away evil from it. It cost them a lot of men. But it cost the Benjamites far more because they were smaller in number. And over what? Over what was this about? It was about sodomites in their midst, acting on their lusts. See, if the sodomite kept it in his heart, it would only affect him. It's like the adulterer who only who lusts in his heart, but he doesn't carry it out. It's only affecting him. Now he has to give an account for it. We're not we're men are not authorized to go and and start dealing with people because of their thoughts. We're not the thought police. That's what God is going to judge. He's going to judge that. He judges the heart. He looks on it. We judge actions. And there's nothing wrong with that. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. The sodomites know it because they'll turn around, they'll say, well, you're judging me, and then they'll call you all kinds of wicked names, right? Well, what are you doing? Are you judging me? Yeah, out of a, out of a twisted, perverted sense of morality. That's what they do. And it isn't just them. It's any sin that men commit, which is lawlessness, is the violation of God's law. That's what they do. And they justify it. And they try to put on you what the guilt of what they're doing. You see how that works? Let's draw some practical application. There are people in the church today claiming to be a Christian. They have taken the name of Christ or the name of God, but they live like the devil. And they say, oh, grace covers it. It covers my sin. I can sin a bazillion times a day and grace covers it. I can live in my sin. I don't have to repent. You've been given a false gospel. The true gospel calls you away from your sin. It calls you to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. It calls you to renew your mind. That's what repentance is. A change of mind. You need to renew your mind. We spoke about this. My pastor spoke about this yesterday um, at church. Repentance is a renewing of mind. And if you believe that you can just go on in your sin, just like you were before, before you, quote-unquote, came to Christ, you're sorely mistaken. You need to examine yourself and see if you're actually in the faith. Because nobody who has been given the new birth is going to want to continue on in their sin. They just don't want to do it. And there is evidence of that. They bear fruit. Jesus said some 30, 60, 100-fold. But they bear fruit. There's fruit on the tree. It ain't just a bunch of leaves. And how do I know this? Well, let's look at 1 John chapter 3. Remember, John is the, is the guy, he's the disciple that calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. He knew what it was to be loved by God. And what does John say? 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved. And again, he is writing to professed believers here. Okay? A large part are Hebrew. 
Beloved, now we are now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. There's coming a day where we're getting glorification, perf- utter perfection. Not perfection in the flesh. We have our perfect standing before God in Jesus Christ, but we are striving towards being conformed to him, and one day, the Bible says, when we see him, we'll be like him. That is not an excuse to to excuse our sin, though, okay? I just want you to understand that. It did not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, what did I just say? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Did you get that, guys? Every man that has the hope that one day they will see Christ, and they will be like him. If you have that hope, what do you do? Remain in your sin, or do you purify yourself? Well, the Bible says you purify yourself. If you're really in Christ, if you really have that hope, even as he is pure. Who is that? Who's the he? That's Jesus. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is transgression of the law. There's your definition of sin. I know the word itself means to miss the mark. Sin, it means that. But here John says he's defining it. Sin is transgression of the law, not the Constitution, the law of God, the moral law of God. That's what he's talking about, okay? And ye know that he was manifested, that's Christ, to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him, that's Jesus, Jesus, sinneth not. It's the, the idea is this is not the way of their life anymore. They don't practice sin. You know, Jesus, when he's talking in Matthew chapter 7, he talks about those who come before him on that day, the day of judgment, and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do many wonderful works? And he's going to go, I never knew you. you. Depart from me, you who what? Practice lawlessness or practice sin. This is what he says. I mean, it's right there in the Scripture. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil." Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Listen, if you're engaged in this LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ stuff, if you are sympathetic to, towards that, as well as the other violations of God's law, you might want to examine yourself because John says, hmm, it's manifest whether you're righteous, whether you're righteous or not. 
And by the way, you know, they want to talk about love. Listen to what John says. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. You don't love, you lust. And there is a tremendous difference in that. You lust. Romans 1, God gives you over to your lust, not your love, your lust. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And how are you going to love man if you don't love God? If you're willing to just go out and violate his law all over the place, but then you're going to say, I love God, and I love my brother, and you can't say otherwise. Well, the Bible says otherwise. Can't do that. And he goes on. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. How do we love one another? By not violating the law against our, our fellow man. First part of the law is about our love towards God. Second part of the law is what? What it demonstrates to be loving to our neighbor, to our brother. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. We don't transgress the law against our brothers. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, and whoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know not that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And he goes on from there. But John's whole point in 1 John is distinguishing, hey, you say you've got Christ, but you walk in darkness? That's the pattern of your life, is walking in darkness? You don't know. You don't have any light in there. You say you love, but you really don't? Let me tell you something. There needs to come a time, and we're, ta- we're specifically we're dealing with this issue of sodomy. And, and the reason is, even though it's a small group of people, there's growing numbers of people who are starting to become sympathetic towards some of these people. And I'm sympathetic to the point of giving them the gospel. That's my sympathy towards them. But otherwise, I warn them, you are worthy, you're doing things worthy of death. And yes, the New Testament says that too. Read the last verse in Romans chapter 1. They're still worthy of death in the New Covenant. Don't think they're not. It's not just them. It's all who are listed in that. But this is becoming a big thing. It's being stuck in our face. And as I played for you, this this man dressed as a woman who's got a queer partner and two children that they want to mutilate and call it love is the the very thing that that John is saying, no, you're in darkness. You don't know what love is. You don't know what it is. And I want to ask, were the men like in Judges chapter 19 and 20, or Judges chapter 20, were the men who are going to stand up and say, you know, we're we're tired of protesting with you and dealing with you people. We're going to repent before our God. We're going to call on him, and then we're going to come deal with you. I want to know where the men are who are going to do it. They used to be in America. Some of them are standing up, and they're going out and shutting these drag queen story hours down. At least I'm seeing some men do that. We're the men 
Count the cost to stand up, but I'll tell you what, get your militia together and start being your own police. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. We are the police. We are the law enforcers. That's in the Constitution. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 and 16. You able-bodied men, you are the law enforcers. You are. It's right there in black and white. And you see a demonstration of it right here in the book of Judges. Or you can just let it go on and your children are going to suffer for it. Do you have a message for the sodomites? Yep, got one for you. There are all kinds of sins that can be forgiven, including that. And somewhere along the way, men and women who engage in that kind of behavior, same-sex abominations, I don't know any other way to say it to cover everybody there, homosexuality, you will get to a point, if you haven't already done it, where you seared your conscience. And I'm going to tell you, once you do that, as far as I can see in the Scripture, I don't see there's any coming back from that. And I think this is why you see there's a difference between some of these people of how they behave um, and interact with people. But the, but the point is, is this. There comes a time where you sear your conscience, and the Bible says it teaches us, even over in Genesis 6, which we read the other day, that the, the, the Lord will not always strive with man. And he's going to bring judgment. But at least now, if you hear my voice, listen. I'm giving you the word of the king that you're to submit to. Don't tell me Jesus loves you while you are sodomizing another man. Or whether you're engaged in a lesbian relationship with another woman. Or you're trying to mutilate kids and try to quote-unquote change their gender. Or change your own, for that matter. Don't tell me that God loves you. No, 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 you're in rebellion against God, and his wrath abides upon you. That's also part of John 3, by the way. Read past John 3.16. The wrath of God abides upon you. You are already condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you, if you don't repent, you're going to die in your sin, and you're going to face the wrath of God. But, is there hope for you? Yep. It's on the king's terms in the name of the Lord Jesus, and here's the results of it. We see it in the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, here's what we read. Verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Now look, he goes way beyond sodomites. Neither fornicators. These are those who have sex outside of marriage. They're not engaged in a sexual relationship in marriage. Doesn't matter if it's one woman or a hundred. That's a fornicator. Or vice versa. Nor idolaters. Nor adulterers. Nor effeminate. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's the that's the sodomites. That's how they term it there. Then you have the effeminate too. They're mixed in. Nor thieves. Nor covetous. Nor drunkards nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Why is that important? Paul says these words, be not deceived. If you have a 
pastor, a preacher, a prophet, a teacher who tells you you're okay in your sin because you asked Jesus into your heart or you went to the anxious bench or you went to the altar, which there is no such thing in the New Testament, that you're okay. That if you just say Jesus is Lord with your lips, but you make no move to renew your mind and to change your life and the way you're conducting it, because you have the Spirit of God, because He's the one who moves you in that direction, you should be... They're trying to deceive you. And Paul says, don't be deceived. These people who do these things, they practice these things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't. But the good news. Verse 11. Such were some of you. That's a past tense. Were. You're not are. You're not still a sodomite. You're not still a drunkard. You're not still a fornicator. You're not still an adulterer. You're not still effeminate. You're still not covetous. You're still not thieves. You're still not revilers or extortioners. That's what you were. This is what this was the manner of your life. This was what you were known as. But ye are washed. But you're sanctified. That means you're set apart. You're holy. That's what the term holy means. It means set apart. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. What does it mean to be justified? Well, it means that God has declared you righteous because of Christ. Christ has taken your place. You know, I read, oh, I, I read just utter heresy. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's utter heresy. And many people think of this guy as a great preacher. But, but he's not. He says things like this. The doctrine of imputed righteousness, this is where man's, where Jesus' righteousness is imputed or it's given unto men. That, that what, we, what we see with Abraham, when he believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. David said, blessed is the, is the man whom the Lord does not impute sin. He doesn't hold him accountable for sin, but instead he gets righteousness. The doctrine of imputed righteousness, or that Christ's obedience to the law was accounted as our obedience, is founded on the most false and nonsensical assumption. This is a preacher. After all, Christ's righteousness could do no more than justify himself. It can never be imputed to us. Does that sound like what the Bible says? Mm -mm. It was naturally impossible then for him to obey on our behalf, this representing of the atonement as the ground of the sinner's justification has been a sad occasion of stumbling to many. He goes on. I mean, this is Rome. This is this is a this is a alleged Protestant preacher, and he's preaching stuff like this is Rome to the core right here. Okay, listen to this. But for sinners to be forensically pronounced just is impossible and absurd. 
As we shall see, there are many conditions while there is but one ground of the justification of sinners. Listen to it. As has already been said, there can be no justification in a legal or forensic sense, but upon the ground of universal, perfect, and uninterrupted obedience to the law. This is, of course, denied by those who hold the gospel justification, or the justification of penitent sinners is of the nature of a forensic or judicial justification, They hold to the legal maxim that what a man does by another, he does by himself, and therefore the law regards Christ's obedience as ours on the ground that he obeyed for us. He's saying that's that's not true. I want to ask you, what does the Bible say? He who knew no sin became sin for himself? Became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. God in him. You will never justify yourself. You won't. Now, there's an element of justification of what you claim that God did for you in justifying you, which we can't see, and that is to what? Bear fruit. Our lives demonstrate that he's justified us. The thing that we can't see, he shows us. We went through the passage, I think it's in Mark, where the men let down the, the their friend who couldn't walk. Remember that? They let him down into the house. They tore off the roof. They let him down because there's so many people around. They want to get him in the midst of Jesus. He's there, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, Your sins are forgiven. And what's going on among the Pharisees? They're over there talking... Who is this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. You get a clue, guys? Yeah. And Jesus perceived what they were talking about and what was in their heart, and he goes, why are you murmuring over there? Why are you complaining about this? Which one's harder, to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now, I want to to draw a parallel. Abraham is said to have believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed God's promise. He didn't do anything except believe. Okay? He trusted God in it. And then later on, we read in the book of James, because Paul makes the argument about how justification happens between us and God, how, how God declare, how he can declare a sinner just. And then when we go to the book of James, James is all about works. And he says, a man is not justified by faith alone, but by works, right? So it sounds like there's a contradiction. That's not what's going on. Because how is Abraham justified and what is James pointing to? He's not talking about when, Je- when uh, Abraham just believed God and his promise. He's talking about when Abraham believed God about taking his son Isaac and sacrificing him to him. He demonstrated it in the world by his obedience to God. Everybody got that? Same thing happens there. When Jesus says to that man who can't walk and he says, your sins are forgiven... He is justified. He is made righteous because of what Christ is going to do at the cross. And to demonstrate that that man is righteous and that he's been justified, what does Jesus do? Get up and walk, and what does the guy do? No, I don't think I'll do that, Jesus. Don't you know my legs are kind of messed up and this, that, and the other? I mean, it's it's not my fault. I, didn't, I was born this way. He doesn't. No, he picks up his bed, and he walks out the door. You see the obedience part? See, if you tell me that you're justified before God and you bear no fruit of obedience, none at all, that we can see at all, you might want to investigate yourself because 
That doesn't line up with what the Scripture says. And so here were people, I just want to point that out again, here were people, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, who had been involved in the very kind of lifestyles that we read about in Genesis 19 and Judges 19, who are worthy of death. You are just as much as I am, just as much as anybody else listening, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. We've all violated God's law. Thus the need for a Savior. We're all in Adam. We're all condemned. We need a Savior from sin. And the Bible tells us that there were some who were washed. Sanctified. Justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And let me tell you something. Let me speak to those who have had that. Man, you ought to give praise to God that He was merciful to you. Else you would have continued on in your sin. You would have continued on in your own deception. And boy, our God is worthy. The true and living God is worthy of our praise that He has not left us in our sin, but has sent His Son who was named Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He would do that. I hope that's true for you today, and I hope that you can give glory to God for that. And if not, I do hope that you will repent. The whole point of the message is to glorify God in it. And if God is glorified in hardening you, then he's glorified in that. And if he's glorified in giving you grace, then he's glorified in that. And you know what? We're going to rejoice either way with what God does. But our desire at the Sons of Liberty is that you come to know the Savior and that uh, you bear fruit of that knowledge as well. Bradley be with you at 3 o'clock today, Eastern, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And if something goes off on a Rumble, I'll be able to fix it then. Uh, thank you guys for your patience. I know a lot of people lost that, and we're going to whatever we're going to have there, but I'll see if we can get that up on Rumble a little bit later. Hopefully this thing recorded. And then we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See ya.